Looking for practical information to help you make decisions about your diagnosis, whether DCIS, early or metastatic breast cancer? BCNA's My Journey features articles, webcasts, videos and podcasts about breast cancer during treatment and beyond to help you, your friends and family as you progress through your journey. It also features a symptom tracker to help you manage the changing symptoms you may encounter during your own breast cancer experience. My Journey. Download the app or sign up online at myjourney.org.au. Let's be upfront about the out-of-pocket costs that come with a breast cancer diagnosis, and they can be massive. Many with private health insurance are left with bills in the tens of thousands of dollars because many aspects are not covered. The cost of ultrasounds, biopsies and radiology quickly add up, not to mention the fees charged by some surgeons. And those in the public health system are not immune either. Survivorship is expensive, especially when ongoing costs such as physiotherapy, or garments for lymphedema aren't fully covered. In this episode of Upfront, we're talking to BCNA CEO Kirsten Pilati, who with more than a decade of experience in the breast cancer space has heard countless stories from our members who've been left with crippling debt because they didn't know there was an alternative. KP, as she's known, is going to share some useful tips that will empower you to ask the right questions of health providers and help you navigate the systems to help ease better shock. Welcome, KP. Thanks, Kel. It's great to be here. And I can tell you that this is a topic that makes my blood boil. So if I get fired up, you'll, uh, you might have to call the fire brigade. <laughs> <laughs> well, and rightly so, because so many times when you speak to our members around the country, this is the number one cause of massive distress for people, isn't it? Yeah, it sure is. And I think uh, it comes from the very beginning uh, and it doesn't just affect the person who's been diagnosed, uh, but also the family. And I think if you look at our online network, many times it's 2am when the uh, women and the men are awake, they're actually worried about how they're going to pay the next bill. And uh, that's really how this whole topic came to surface as a priority for BCNA. Okay, so what we're going to try and do today is work through some of the issues and perhaps you can give some tips and guidance as to how you can avoid that bill shock because I think the thing with breast cancer is that you don't just get one lump sum. It gradually builds up and all of a sudden you've got this accumulated debt and sometimes people find themselves in in a real pickle because they don't know how they can get out of it or how to have avoided it in the first place. So what's the first point of call? Should we start thinking about um, costs at the point of diagnosis? Uh, Yes, we should. Uh, Whose responsibility is that is probably where my first priority lies. And we have done a lot of work in trying to make sure that at the point of diagnosis, the time when the person, the woman or the man's life is turned upside down, they are not in a position to be thinking first and foremost about finances. All they want is to get the cancer out of their body. All their family want is for 
mom or for dad to be better. And so whose responsibility is it? And for me, uh, when I travelled around the country over and over again, I heard that all our members were ever asked is, do you have private health insurance? Now, that was either asked at the breast screen when uh, they were being diagnosed through breast screen or through their GP. Now, that is the wrong question to ask. So our role at BCNA is to say to those health professionals, yes, ask them if they have private health insurance. But a person's ability to pay the accumulating debt that will happen because of breast cancer doesn't isn't equated to whether you have private health insurance. Uh, So I think it's about saying to people, do you have private health insurance? Do you want to go public? Uh, There are no waiting times in Australia for you to choose public. And I think that is uh, a myth that many people kind of talk about. I'm going to go private because I I can get it out tomorrow. But you are talking about having the cancer removed as opposed to other parts such as reconstruction or... uh other surgeries. Yeah, exactly. And I think this is that first diagnosis point is often when people make a critical decision that will impact their finances. And, um, you know, I, you, I want to empower our members to say, you should be making financial decisions all the way along, not just at the point of diagnosis. And you can move between private and public very easily here in Australia. But, uh, finances are one of those things that it's really hard to talk about. And what I have found is that when – so you go and you meet with your clinician, you get an instant connection or not with them. Uh, And when you have that instant connection, it's very hard to then say, okay, you know, I'm going to put my life in your hands. Oh, yeah, can you tell me how much that life is going to cost me? It's a really hard discussion to have. And so we want to have the system deliver that for all all patients in cancer, not just in breast cancer, to make it the responsibility of the health professional to have fully disclose how much something's going to cost. Because I am sick to death of this system constantly relying on the consumer to be the one to speak up because not everyone can. So if you're listening and you find it really hard to ask questions, my best advice to you is take someone with you who isn't uh, afraid to say, okay, what is this going to cost us? And it, it should it be as direct at that and should it be at that very point? Because like you said, in an ideal world, we will see a change where the onus is on the health provider. But at the moment, like you've just said, that is not the case. So it can be quite intimidating. Yeah. And look, I'm a person who speaks up all the time and I'm constantly having conversations with health professionals, but I too find it difficult to question someone when they're telling me there's going to be an out-of-pocket cost. And the thing that's fascinated me most about working at BCNA is if you say to someone at every appointment, can you bulk bill me? you'll be very surprised how often you can be bulk billed. And, uh, you know, I I think it's something that I would say to everyone, don't be ashamed to ask to be bulk billed. Okay, so at the initial diagnosis or, or point of discussion with a surgeon, your suggestion is to ask for what you're going to be up for. Yeah. And I guess for those that have private health insurance, let's go back to that and say, 
just because you have private health insurance doesn't mean you're actually going to be better off. In fact, we're finding time and time again that you're much worse off just by assuming that you're going to go down that rabbit hole of private health. Yeah, I think in Australia we're very lucky. We have amazing health professionals who work in our public setting. And in fact, many of the best uh, internationally renowned breast specialists, whether it be oncologists or surgeons uh, or radiation oncologists, work work in both public and private because there's a real benefit for them working in public uh, around their research. So don't assume just because you're going privately that you're getting better care. We do know that there are less breast care nurses, for example, in the private setting. Um, So what I would do is, first of all, don't assume that. Now, there are real benefits in going private in terms of you will absolutely know who is going to... um, deliver your surgery or your treatment. Uh, So there are real benefits in that. If you're someone who needs to see the same person every time and kind of be assured by that. But the very biggest learning I've had in my 13 years here at BCNA is there is not one breast specialist who can put their hand on their heart and say that they can deliver better outcomes for you so that they're going to definitely cure you or anything like that because they charge $20,000 out of pocket versus going to a big cancer hospital in Australia. Okay, so more doesn't mean more. It certainly doesn't and I want to hold the system to account for that. So if you want to charge $20,000 out of pocket, go for your life but prove to me you're worth that $20,000 and in my view right now, no one can prove that. I guess as you said before, people just want to get it out though. Does that sometimes equate to people pressing the panic button and copying those exorbitant fees. Totally. And I think one of the real challenges with cancer is, um, with breast cancer, is that fear of it spreading to the other parts of your body. But we know that waiting will not increase your risk of your breast cancer spreading if it's, you know, for a few weeks. There is no reason to panic. But that is so much easier said than done. Uh, And so, you know, I think that having those financial discussions very early on will actually help one, um, you setting the expectation with your health professional that it's an important part of your breast cancer experience and we shouldn't be ashamed of that. Um, But I think that you know, sometimes that conversation is had by the receptionist in a private setting and we don't want that to happen anymore. If you are the surgeon or the radiation oncologist who's delivering the treatment, then you better be accountable for what you're charging. And so therefore you should be the person fully disclosing how much that is. Now, the other real trick to this is that uh, often in the surgeon's rooms, and I don't want to just stick to surgery because there are so many more out-of-pocket costs but in the surgeons rooms they will give you their out-of-pocket costs but that won't include the anaesthetist that won't include the assistant anaesthetist and often we're hearing that anaesthetist bills are coming just before you're about to go into surgery Uh, it won't include how much you're going to be charged for pathology post your treatment so what happens is you have your treatment and the bills just keep coming and you're like what on earth is this for how much of that am I getting back from Medicare so you have to pay up front so you have to have the money in the bank and then Medicare will rebate you Um, and so just this accumulation is 
and can cause absolute turmoil in families. And I don't mean just financially. I mean emotionally. I mean in relationships. Um, And so I I think people underestimate and downplay the financial impact until afterwards. And then they reflect back and go, you know what, it was really hard. I was up all night just going, I have no idea how to pay. And, um, And I mean, the state of the nation really brought that to the forefront. But for me to have uh, women and men coming to our roundtable discussions shaking with bills, that they had no idea how they were going to pay for them, that that sticks with me. And uh, I'm not going to stop fighting for full financial disclosure. That is the responsibility of the health professional. For those that aren't aware, the State of the Nation is the report that was tabled in Parliament in 2018. Whose responsibility is it, or maybe a better question is, with those separate costs that people sometimes aren't even expecting because you're not aware of all those extras, how can you ask for those to make sure, again, you know what you're up for before you go forward. Is that the surgeon that should be able to provide you with all of that? Well, at each point you will have a different person kind of leading your treatment depending on your treatment plan. And I think it is really important that everyone understands that everyone's treatment plan is different and where your point of contact or your central point is is uh, different. So if you're having chemo first, then your oncologist, to, you know, should be able to outline it. But at each point of your treatment... I would be asking, what is this going to cost me? Um, and not just in the private setting, but also in the public setting, because there are out-of-pocket costs in the public setting as well. And don't even start me on car parking in the public um, hospitals. <laughs> we won't start on that one. <laughs> but should um, is, is it common that, particularly we say with surgery fees, that people do assume that that would include the anaesthetist and other sort of services and then are surprised when it doesn't? Well, I think when you come in, uh, when you're diagnosed and you're coming into the system, you don't know anything. So you're completely relying on someone to help you navigate that system. And if you don't know what you don't know, then you don't know to ask what are all the costs. So you just assume that when you say to whoever your treatment team is, what are the out-of-pockets? pocket's going to be, that they will explain all out-of-pocket costs. But that's not what's happening. Um, And that's why we've been working really closely with the Cancer Council Australia, with Prostate Cancer Foundation and with Canteen to lobby this transparency so that at each point in your treatment, there is full disclosure. So it's the responsibility of whoever is managing you at that time to give you all of the costs that are going to happen. Now, in uh, where there's a breast care nurse, they are often the ones who are telling you the truth about <laughs> all well, that's of what the I was hidden costs. So could yep. your breast care nurse or perhaps your um, GP or even the BCNA helpline might be able to give you an idea of some of those little 
extras they, that are all going to add up. Yeah, exactly. So um, one, I would say that the My Journey Online tool, this has been a real priority for us to make sure that we're putting helpful questions at each aspect of your treatment. And so uh, we provide through that My Journey Online tool question, financial questions you should ask. Because, you know, you even when you're being worked up, um, so where you they've found a lump, they're, they're very sure that it's cancer, uh, all of a sudden then you start having MRIs, which, you know, oh, well, you have to have an MRI because you've got dense breasts. Well, there, oh, sorry, there's no Medicare item number for um, uh, an MRI. So, but, you know, 400 bucks, you'll be right. And and of course, it's 400 to start with, but then it just keeps accumulating. It's 400 for that. It's, you know, another 48 for pathology, maybe, or maybe 200 for pathology because it's been a bit more complex. And so it's just this accumulative facts of constant cost that is really the burden that uh, that our members shoulder. So is that also an important um, tip to, once diagnosed, ring your private health insurer and find out exactly what you're going to be covered for. Yeah, I mean, we – but one, this is what totally frustrates me. Yes, that's what you should do. You know, should you be having to do that in the when your life's been turned upside down and you're completely frightened and you're trying to deal with the fact that you've got to tell your parents you've got breast cancer or you've got to tell your kids or your partner, um, then, oh, sorry, can you ring your private health and – then the private health insurer says, now what are the item numbers they're going to claim against because that's what we have to check against your policy. I mean, it's ridiculous. It honestly is ridiculous. It drives me mad. But <laughs> I know, I know, sorry. I told Practice, you you'd have to call yeah, them fire brigade. Useful tips, KP. Useful. useful tips, okay. So useful tips is ask them to write down all the item numbers so that you can perhaps just call and be very clear with your private health insurer what the um, item numbers are that they they're going to be claiming against to know whether your cover um, covers that. Now, we were very effective in advocating to government in the changes to the private health insurance of the bronze, silver, gold, that breast cancer is specifically identified in bronze, um, but there are always loopholes. So what we do say is get all your item numbers together or, you know what, ask a friend to really help you in this um, or, or a partner, family member to ring and check in with all of those item numbers to really make sure you are covered. But the other thing I would say is at every point in your diagnosis, consider public. Now, my big bandwagon is radiation because this is what we found it to be the greatest out-of-pocket cost outside of reconstruction in um, the state of the nation. What we know is there is very little transparency in radiation treatment uh, if you are going privately. Now, in some locations, as a public patient, you would be going to the same venue as you would if you are private. So you arrive uh, and if you're a public patient, uh, oh, thanks very much, no out-of-pocket costs here, Thank you know, sign this paper, we'll get the... Um, money back from Medicare and then someone else will come forward to the desk, have had exactly the same treatment, oh, that'll be 27000 Now, it's outrageous. There is no transparency. So BCNA will continue to work on that transparency side. But what I would say in radiation uh, is always always consider going public. There are very few locations in Australia where there's a waiting time for radiation therapy. If anyone is um, 
listening who has been told there's a waiting time, call our helpline. Um, but the capacity of the public system to deliver radiotherapy bulk build is very good. Okay, so how do you do that? Is that allowed? If you've, if you've started down the private health insurance route, can you then toggle between the two? Can you have private surgery and then have public radiation? You sure can. And in fact, you can also have public chemo. Um, so if you want, you're very clear, you want a surgeon who is going to um, make you feel comfortable and, you know, look how you look and feel for your body image is really important to you. So therefore you've met a surgeon and you've looked at their results and you're really clear that's who you want to go with and you want to pay their out-of-pocket costs, great. Negotiate hard. Then you should consider if you're having radiotherapy or chemo being able to move to the public system and you can absolutely move between the two systems and the people who have done it uh, don't regret it. Um, so what are, you, what are you talking about saving? Like thousands and thousands. 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 And what I would say is what what we heard through State of the Nation is, you know, if someone was unaware that they could move between radiotherapy and that the thing that annoys people the most is when they don't know something until afterwards and that's overwhelming from our members. So um, those people who didn't know, I would say to them, so they didn't offer you public for radiotherapy, they were like, no, no, they didn't. And then there'd kind of be this pause and go, well, actually, they did say something, but they said, oh, we're part of your team now. We're, we're here for you for the whole journey. Well, guess what? You'll also get great support in the public system as well uh, and you won't have those bills just coming in, like, to the letterbox and you having no warning about them. BCNA's Helpline provides a free, confidential phone and email service for people diagnosed with breast cancer. BCNA's experienced team will help with your questions and concerns and provide relevant resources and services. Call 1800 500 258 or email contact at bcna.org.au. But let's move it along and sort of talk about, so even in the public system... There are out-of-pocket costs and that's more as we move into the survivorship aspect. Yeah. Let's run through those and maybe some helpful hints on how to minimise those. So one of the out-of-pocket costs will be uh, follow-up care um, and uh, what kind of uh, tests that you want or that your team are asking you to do. So currently um, we have been able to lobby government to include MRI but I um, am slightly worried that it's not going to include all people for follow-up care. So currently people are paying uh, for their scans if they're MRI out of pocket. Um, that may continue but I can assure people we're still working through that. Um, obviously metastatic patients who, uh, you know, they have so many additional costs and I, I know we've got a whole series for people living with metastatic disease but, um, you know, they have constant out-of-pocket costs for that. But then you look at um, survivorship and I know people hate that word and when if anyone has an alternative to that word, I want you to email me directly. Um, but if you're living with post a diagnosis, um, there are ongoing uh, physical and emotional uh, 
support that you need. If you've been diagnosed with lymphedema, so 20% currently of Australians who have been treated for breast cancer who've had auxiliary clearance uh have lymphedema. You know, we know that the sleeves, for example, currently in South Australia, uh, you have to pay fully for your uh, lymphedema sleeve. But also the Allied Health Program allows for you to have five um, meetings with specialists that are covered and bulk billed. A year. A year, yeah. Um, But if you need to see an exercise physiologist, a dietitian, and you have lymphedema, good luck. You know, people with severe and acute lymphedema need to have five or six sessions in a month to when they have an episode. So um, I think that, you know, it's not enough. We've called for a doubling of that. But they're the costs that keep coming up. Physios constantly having out-of-pocket costs. So what you know, what I would say to people is look into services in your local area that may bulk bill, uh, but also um, uh, go to your GP and make the best use of your allied health. If you want emotional support, don't use your allied health five sessions for that. Ask for a um, mental health plan. And, you know, that's another thing that's really hard for people to ask. They're like, hang on, I just want some support. I'm not, uh, you know, needing a mental health plan. But actually we've got to make the most of the programs and services that are available for government. So don't be afraid to do that. So you get 10 sessions from that. So don't use any of your allied health GP um, uh, plan for mental health, get the mental health plan for that. So you get 10 a year through GP and five through allied health. So the GP is central to this. They will put you onto those plans. And if you do not have a good GP, find one. Because it should be noted that once you enter survivorship, you go back to your GP. So you finished with your specialised care and your GP once again becomes that central point and like you said to have a good one can be the difference between knowing what's out there to work for you and you ending up paying a lot of money yeah and ask them to be bulk billed just ask everyone to be bulk billed that's the most important question uh, the most important thing you can say at every appointment and what's the worst thing they can say no correct and then you find someone else. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so maybe another um, word of advice might be to get an insurance expert to look at any um, insurance policies that you have. So above um, private health insurance, we're talking about life insurance, uh, income protection, all those sort of things. How can they help? So what we have found, and like every day I hear another amazing story about people really looking into their insurance. I mean, uh, in Australia, quite often people are heavily insured. um, And, you know, a poster diagnosis, your insurance becomes much more complex. So this is about people who have insurance plans in place before they're diagnosed. Get someone who's an expert. You know, people always say, what can I do to help? Well, if someone's a financial planner, give them all of your insurance paperwork and say, can you find 
anything in here that's going to help me deal with the financial impact of breast cancer. So just the other day, uh, a woman with metastatic disease found in her policy that she uh, was actually a drug that she wanted that that um, is not on the PBS. Uh, her insurance company, through a loophole, is going to have to pay for her uh, treatment. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, but unless someone who knew what they were looking for was looking at that policy. I mean, who the detail of those policies. Yeah, they, they're mind-blowing. They're yeah. mind-blowing. So it really, it really does need the eye of someone who knows what to look for. Yeah, and of course the Cancer Council uh, in each state and territory uh, provide financial support as well. It is means-tested but it's worth it if you need financial support to access that program and many people don't know about that so we'd encourage people to do that. Um, um, but if you've got someone in your network, someone in your school community or, you know, uh, everyone wants to help and that's a very practical thing you can ask someone who might be a financial planner to say, hey, here's all my paperwork, find how I can maximise what I've been paying thousands of dollars for for all of my life. Mm. Just finally, we um, obviously when people are diagnosed and have to have treatment, quite often that means not working. Yep. That's costly too. Yeah, I mean, we did a financial um, survey back in 2016. What we found was that 25% of our membership had out-of-pocket costs of more than $25,000. Most of those were reconstruction radiation. Um, But... uh, what we didn't calculate was the impact of work and breast cancer. I think what I've seen over the 13 years change significantly is when uh, people were diagnosed 13 years ago, they just stopped work, they had time off. Now, no one can financially afford for the second um, person to uh, to stop working. So that's why the insurance has become really important. Uh, that's why finding uh, all of your... Um, uh, legal rights as a work person with cancer is really important and I would encourage people to watch our work and breast cancer webcasts which really cover some of those aspects and challenges for people. Um, but we do know from our survey that 99.9% of families never returned to their total household income post a diagnosis. Now, sometimes that's because people review their kind of life and they're like, well, I don't want to go back to that workplace that I don't really like anyone there. And, you know, that's totally fine. But sometimes it's because cognitive issues, which are not just during treatment, but a long-term um, post-chemo treatment really can impact your ability to work. So uh, on the work stuff, I'd encourage people to watch our webcasts on work and breast cancer and look at our um, BCNA work and breast cancer hub, which has incredible support, not just for employees, but employers. And really importantly, the un- the unsung heroes, I reckon, in the work are the people who have their own businesses because they have a whole lot of different challenges challenges after a diagnosis. I need you to take a breath now. (laughs) 
It's always a hot topic out of pocket costs. So KP, thank you for joining us on Upfront, which is a proud production of Breast Cancer Network Australia. This episode is proudly supported by the Dry July Foundation. If you have any concerns or queries, please contact your health professional. We'd love to know your thoughts too. Send us a message on social media or leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find us. For more information on BCNA and the resources we've talked about in this podcast, visit bcna.org.au. I'm Kelly Curtin. Thanks for being upfront with us.